Welcome to the world of fiction, where we're lying, but that's okay. One prepared host, two neurodivergent nerds, two authors dig deeper into the lies that expose truths. If you're a fan of fiction with a curious mind, tune in each week for discussions on speculative worlds, fandom, the industry, and creating. Let's talk about sci-fi and fantasy conventions. I'm your prepared host, J.S. Garrity. And I'm the host is winging it, Ludlow Adams. For our new listeners out there, every week I choose and prepare a topic because I'm a researcher and a planner. And I find out the topic a half an hour before because I'm an improviser and good on my feet. Well, let's get into it. Um, I just realized that in our intro... Uh, your your line is never improvised. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it should be. <laughs> I sometimes I I half improvise it anyway because I'm true, like, oh, yeah. well, I want to kind of mess with it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess yeah, it, there is some improvisation that happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a tiny bit. But I figure, you know, keeping me on track on on that point is probably mm -hmm. a bit more important than the rest of the uh, yeah. the rest of the podcast. I almost said yeah. the rest of the con because the rest yeah, of the con is now. Yeah, yeah. This podcast is now con, the pod, the pod <laughs> con. I'm sure pod con is actually like a thing, but um, anyway, conventions. Yeah, it's a fun one. These can be fun. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Conventions can be a great time. Um, so let's start with the with the history of conventions. And um, for any nerd listeners out there, the first thing I will say is it was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> and I will explain that in a minute. But for anyone who's um, who understands that reference and why this has to do with conventions, Congratulations, you are a true, true nerd. Join the club. <laughs> um, so conventions have actually been around for quite a long time. Um, and they started in in Britain with the first one in 18, hang on, that was not 18. Sorry, I should have had this like we're ready to go. 1891. Yeah. Crazy, huh? Yeah. I mean, that it doesn't feel like something that would happen in the 1800s. But, um, yeah. you know, Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein, and that sort of set off this um, love of, of science fiction. And the, the Dark and Stormy Night reference is from... Edward Bulwer-Lytton from his book uh, Vril, The Power of the Coming Race, which was originally called The Coming Race. And that is the book that first used the phrase, it was a dark and stormy night. That's the first line of the book. Um, it's a cliche now. It wasn't a cliche back then. Mm -hmm. But Edward coined the phrase and that book really hit it off in, in Britain. It had a huge following, a huge cult following. 
um, for those who are familiar with the book, Colts is, is a little, that was a little bit of a joke in there that I put in there. Um, <laughs> so people got really into this. There were some people who believed that an actual secret Vril society existed. Um, and then the first uh, convention was inspired by by this book in 1891 they had the Vrilia Bazaar and Fete fundraiser festival held in the Royal Albert Hall in London it was a five-day event and people came dressed up like the Vrilia from the book and there was like merch booths and and everything it was it's that's yeah. so crazy. I know. Like, like who who thinks, you know, I I think I was kind of aware of that. I didn't do a ton of research on this one because I was like, oh, conventions. And then I started thinking about my favorite conventions mm -hmm. and the ones that I've been to and the ones that are coming up. And and then I got lost and I did no, no research. <laughs> so I'm definitely winging it. Well, that's okay because it, um, I figured that I would probably cover the, the research and history portion of this and then you could lead the discussion on, um, you know, the culture and, and talking about ones you've been to and all of that stuff. Sure. Um, because I've only ever been to virtual conventions. I haven't been to one in person yet, which is sad, but um, <laughs> I mean, I, I grew up near Seattle, so it's like I real, really missed out on that one. But, um, you know, someday it just never like happened. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um yeah very first convention 1891 all started with a dark and stormy night and then fast forward to the first convention in the u.s which began with a guy called hugo gernsback he founded a magazine called amazing stories and it was considered the first publication dedicated specifically to sci-fi kinds of kinds mm -hmm. of stories um other publications had published sci-fi before but this one was actually like dedicated to it um and that was founded in 1926 and now yeah, go ahead. A really quick aside. The crazy thing is I'm pretty sure when I was a kid in the early 80s, I had an Amazing Stories magazine. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, it was a smaller print magazine, a smaller format magazine, mm -hmm. um, a lot like um, maybe uh, Reader's Digest or something. Would yeah, have been. yeah. Yeah. Almost like a pamphlet looking thing. Maybe I saw a picture somewhere um yeah but smaller not like yeah. the you know full uh, eight and a half by 11 magazines that we have these days that's so cool that you that you had one that is so cool yeah <laughs> i read one of those stories so much i'm pretty sure i could rewrite most of it not all of it but most wow. of it like yeah that's a that's a great memory <laughs> i don't think i could rewrite anything well I don't know. There might be a couple things from childhood that I could remember that well. Um, 
I can remember all of the lines in all three Lord of the Rings extended edition movies, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this magazine really hit it off. Um, Gernsback added some more serials. And they were did really well. He kind of targeted the tech industry and found a lot of fans in the in the tech industry which i'm really i'd be really curious to know what the tech industry was like in the 1920s and 30s that's something that yeah yeah what does that mean (laughs) yeah it's not like we were using babbage machines or anything though we should have been uh, yeah probably but yeah that's uh that's a really good question i wonder if it's just like inventors and and things like that yeah and i think that um, a lot of it was, uh, like people who were speculating about what could be, you know, like the, sort of that first step of innovation where people were kind of imagining what, what could we get to, what could we someday yeah. have? Um, so it, the group of people today who like, you know, love science fiction and think about the things that could become reality, like hoverboards and um flying to mars and you know the things that we imagine for the future uh yeah i'm sure there was a lot of that but um i'd have to do more research into exactly like where we were technologically in the late 20s and early 30s yeah i'm kind of curious about that um i do know that the term space marine which is a a big thing with uh, games workshop uh who we've talked about in the past mm-hmm. uh was coined at about that this this era mm-hmm. um, i think it might have been in the late 30s but yeah so there i mean the foundation for a lot of what we recognize as science fiction now was definitely laid back then including yeah. like talking about um space stations and yeah. a space elevator and, and all kinds of things along those lines so yeah mm-hmm. i'm really curious i'm really curious oh, gosh you know, this would be the best one of the best reasons to have a time machine. Like, let's go yeah. back to one of the earliest science fiction fantasy conventions, and or the earliest, go the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Buy a couple of books, and you know, mm-hmm. throw them in a uh, in a uh, a bank vault or something for mm-hmm. hundred years. And yeah, yeah. Um. So this, how does this magazine lead to a convention? Um. Gernsback wanted an audience that would stay connected to his publication. He wanted um, his readers to stay loyal, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so he created a fan club in 1934 called the Science Fiction League. And it had local mm-hmm. chapters scattered around the world, apparently, like not just the US, but around the world. Um, and I guess a, a lot of or some of those chapters were actually the origins of some groups that still exist today, like the LA Science Fantasy Society um, and the fu- mm. Futurians um, in New York. It sounds like their roots were in this club's chapters. Um, and they just eventually, you know, kind of became their own thing and, and broke off. Um, but these groups were bringing you know, smaller groups of people together on, on a sort of regular basis to socialize and, and talk, you know, like a book club, but 
-hmm. specifically for you know this genre um so once again the modern world can be explained by marketing Mm -hmm. marketing yeah yeah. (laughs) absolutely um and then eventually this uh sort of led to larger gatherings um and then in 1939 they had the world science fiction convention um and had hundreds of fans and writers from all over the united states come together so that was considered you know the first science fiction convention for the u.s and um some people label it as the first world convention um Mm. but it sounds like it was it was mostly like people from the west that were there but it was called a world science convention um no No, the united (laughs) states labeling something international when it really isn't no (laughs) yeah so i don't know how true it is that it was really a worldwide convention um I'd have to dig deeper on that one. And it's just not something that we have the space for in a single episode. Um, but there were, there were a couple of, of guys who came from LA to go to this convention. Um, and they were um, Ackerman and Douglas. I can't find first names for them, uh, but they went by Esperanto the by the Esperanto name Morojo. Huh. Yeah. And they came to this convention dressed up in costume. And that kind of started this this uh sort of cosplay thing. And it, it, if you recall in the Great Britain one people came dressed up like the the Vrilia. They were in costume as well. Also I'm sorry if I'm butch- butchering any of these pronunciations. I I read and I don't necessarily know how those things are pronounced. <laughs> um, and pronunciation is not my strong suit, but um, hopefully the the meaning is still coming across. Um, but yeah, there there were people dressing up in Britain, but of course that was kind of an isolated thing from what was happening in the U.S. in the twenties and thirties. So these two guys are kind of um accredited to starting cosplay in the next Hmm. convention more people came dressed up um and then even more people and by time uh star trek came around and they had the first star trek convention everyone was coming dressed up in, in costume yeah um that's a really big deal in in modern conventions Mm -hmm. um some conventions have a slightly different personality or flavor than others so you know some you're gonna have more cosplay than others etc but yeah Mm -hmm. it's pretty common still um it's pretty amazing it can be anyway yeah yeah um and you know we could do a whole episode on cosplay too for sure that's a whole whole topic in and of itself um, as far as fantasy conventions go, from what I could find, um, and obviously, like, I am not a historian, so I, I am fairly limited um, with by the internet, but 
from what I could find, uh, there wasn't really a first fantasy convention. They kind of just started alongside, like with the sci-fi and Mm -hmm. combined, you know, um, Mm -hmm. but the, you know, the sci-fi conventions were really the beginning of it all. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I don't know. It it seems like science fiction had, had stronger roots for a long time Mm -hmm. until, you know, Robert E. Howard and Tolkien and and some others. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Huh. Um, I do know that by the 70s and early 80s, um, Wendy Pinney, um, who is half of the uh, the team that does the ElfQuest stories or the ElfQuest comics, uh, which is mm. one of my favorite comics and has been since I discovered them in 83, 84, mm-hmm. I guess. A friend of mine uh, at the time introduced them to me. Um, they would go to conventions to pitch this comic book because it was a little indie black and white comic. Mm -hmm. And the way they would pay for the conventions was by Wendy um, cosplaying or going kind of like maybe as a booth girl, Mm. which is basically a paid cosplayer Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. Um, She would uh, she would cosplay Red Sonia. And that's how they would they would pay their way to go to these conventions. That's my understanding. It, the story might be a little different from that, mm-hmm. but um, you know, there's there's tons of pictures from the uh, the 70s and 80s of mm-hmm. people in in costumes, and some of them are actually quite risque compared to what we would be used to today. Like yeah. you see some of them, and you're like, "Whoa, hold on a second. Like, <laughs> I always find it funny when when people say. Oh, that people are wearing less and less clothes and everything's yeah. changed. It's been that way for a very long time. Yeah. 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 It's uh it's definitely kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I was at one convention, um, Con Carolinas here in the Charlotte in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, which is coming up actually, um at the time of this recording in about three weeks. So the first weekend in June, I think. Um, I've got some author friends who are going to be there, so I'm going to try to meet up for lunch or something. Mm-hmm. But um, there was a woman who was dressed up as like a murdered bride kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she, so she looked kind of like a zombie or something. Yeah. Um, and the the makeup and the effects and everything was amazing. Mm-hmm. And so they were doing a costume contest, which is a pretty normal part of, yeah. a, of yeah. most conventions. They do cosplay contests or something. Mm-hmm. And she um she like stepped into the room and a bunch of people looked at her and like started leaving like they were just like oh forget it i'm not gonna win and she's like <laughs> she started waving them off she's like no 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 you guys stay i'm gonna go because that's just not oh, you know because yeah. you know there are people who are legit professionals yeah. going to these mm-hmm. um and i'm not gonna you know give them a hard time for it i just mm-hmm. in this case i think in this specific limited case, she she made a really good decision. Yeah, because um, everybody else there great looked, fan citizenship, yeah. you know. Yeah, 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 and and I think a lot of the times you see that kind of thing. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. Um, most of the time, we are not. Well, I was gonna say most of the time we're not gatekeepers, but that's just absolutely not true. But most of the time, you know, you you'll run into some really really good people at cons. Yeah, cons can be a really good vibe, um, and and very welcoming, um, generally. Yeah. yeah. And then there's like yeah. you know the 
the gatekeepers and the spirit, like those few people who are yeah. happen to be very loud. Yeah. Um, but I think most uh, really, um, really, uh, what is, how am I trying to say this? The people who go to cons a lot, right? Um, really frequent attendees, there we go, of, of yeah. conventions, um, for the most part, tend to be really welcoming of people who are new or people who um, yeah. are kind of dipping their toes in just yeah. to check it out. Uh, generally, yeah. I find the people are, are tend, to, tend to be really uh, inclusive. Yeah, and, and any convention that doesn't have that hardwired into their into their convention culture, like they don't go out of their way to make new new people welcome. Mm -hmm. And it does happen sometimes. Um, yeah. They they tend to get a black eye. Yeah. People in the um people in in the community communicate with each other quite a bit. So if mm -hmm. like you're an author and you're going to science fiction fantasy conventions to like get into Author Alley and sell your book and things like that, but you get invited onto a panel and you're rude or nasty mm -hmm. or you're a complete and utter tool or something. It, it, it gets around pretty fast. Yeah. Now, the first couple of times, your first couple of panels, people will be a little bit more forgiving. They're going to be like, oh, the person's new. Mm -hmm. You know, by the by the second or third convention, they usually have it down, fig, down pat and they've got it okay. Yeah. But if you're if you continue to be that person, it gets around mm -hmm. and you know, you're going to, your, your offers are going to start drying up yeah. or your acceptance. Uh, if you, if you apply to be a guest um, mm -hmm. at a convention, you may not get accepted nearly as often. Right. Exactly. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the culture. Um, specifically, you mentioned mm -hmm. how um, conventions that the creators, the, uh, organizers themselves can do things to foster a good positive culture so let's focus on that for a minute because i think that's something a lot of people don't necessarily realize that you know it's in the workplace too workplace culture um mm -hmm. convention culture the larp culture um all of these different groups um are influenced very much by the organizers the people in charge um yeah the higher ups, the leader leadership and the kind of culture that they are shooting for and trying to create. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's a tough one. Um, so there's another type of, there's a couple more gaming convention or uh, conventions that we haven't mentioned and one of them is a gaming convention and i mm -hmm. think in a lot of ways that's that's kind of like a subset well i mean it's kind of its own thing um even though it shares a lot with science fiction fantasy conventions mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of geeks are gamers and i mean there's a lot of crossover there even if it's mm -hmm. board games or something not just miniature war games etc some of those can be some of the most um exclusive like they will exclude mm -hmm. people yeah. left and right um in in the world of geeks um in, in gaming geeks specifically they're often considered to be like grognards they're the ones who are like if they're historical war gamers they're like what do you mean you don't have the the correct color mm -hmm. button on this uniform on your models etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm -hmm. so 
you can sometimes see that everywhere. And if a convention isn't saying back off or isn't trying to minimize that that influence, mm-hmm. you're 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 going to see a, a convention shrink or not grow very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and the good ones will have some kind of a new member services organization mm-hmm. within them. They'll they'll have like a tour. Maybe they might take people around and say, hey, look, well. I mean, I, I'm sure everybody here knows what a tour is, but, (laughs) um, you know, they'll get people kind of a little bit more comfortable with at least the physical layout and Mm -hmm. maybe introduce people to some of the volunteers or some of the, um, you know, some of the staff of a convention, et cetera. They might, Mm -hmm. um, encourage new people to volunteer because that can be a really great way of meeting people, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of getting used to it. So I think that's like the main thing any good convention has to do in order to start fostering or building a good, Mm -hmm. a good culture. Beyond that, it's so hard to, it's so, so hard to say, well, this is kind of a a thing or this Mm -hmm. is or or whatever. Because every, I mean, even science fiction fantasy conventions can be so very different from one another. Yeah. Um, Size has something to do with it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, going to San Diego uh, Comic-Con with another 60,000 people is a very different experience than going to um, Con Carolinas with 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, or Jordan Con with 900 people. Although I think this year, a couple weeks ago, Jordan Con hit 1,300 people or something. Jordan oh, Con wow. is a, yeah, is a, uh, a, a Robert Jordan... Wheel of Time. Wheel mm-hmm. of Time-centric, not entirely mm-hmm. exclusively but centric um, uh, convention in Atlanta in uh, April of every year, uh, which this year and I think next year as well turns out to be the exact same weekend as a LARP thing that I like to do as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I went with the one that was less expensive this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yep, can't fault you for that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> that makes sense, though, because the Wheel of Time movie series just came out and yeah. brought a lot of publicity to the wheel of time series a lot of people yeah. have been rereading them or reading them for the first time um yeah. and and that just makes sense that they'd have yeah. the most yeah. you know a record number of people attending it's pretty cool yeah and and like the the showrunner and some of the actors and stuff will like shout out jordan con sometimes mm-hmm. and, like they did any of them uh, go think... do you know give them what did any of them go oh no 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 i don't think so but i think they were also i think they were still shooting season three if i remember correctly but i could be wrong on that Mm -hmm. but they 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 have often like video uh recorded things for them Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. said hey you know and, and done like literal like videos exclusively for the convention which i thought was kind of cool that's cool yeah that's really cool so that that kind of relationship can be really interesting. Well, you know, like when, Mm -hmm. you know, you might get, um, a, an organization that comes in or, or a, uh, production company or something that steps in and says, we will help fund your convention Mm -hmm. if you will do this. Right. Um, so, you know, you can, you can often get some monetary help, Mm -hmm. um, with getting some, some different, different kinds of sponsorships. Yeah. Sponsorships are, are huge. Um, 
you know, some conventions can be super, super pricey, really expensive. Um, and I don't know if people necessarily realize just how much it costs to put one on. And they rely on things like donations and sponsorships um, and volunteers, even though it's this pay to to, to go, um, yeah. because what you're paying and what everyone's paying isn't actually enough to cover all of the overhead cost. Yeah, it's I mean, it, it, it can be it can be insane. Mm -hmm. um, like Dragon Con in Atlanta is one of the biggest science fiction fantasy conventions that isn't a comic book convention specifically. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, San Diego comic con, New York comic con, Emerald city comic con, which mm -hmm. is the one in Seattle, yep. et cetera. It, it, it has a slightly different flavor. It's very much a speculative fiction. I, I have no idea how many people they hit this year, but it's really expensive mm -hmm. and the hotel rooms are incredibly expensive as well. Mm -hmm. Um, oftentimes like a smaller convention will take over a hotel, um, a single convention center hotel kind of deal. Right. Um, Dragon Con will have like four, three or four or five ho host hotels or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gen Con, which is a big gaming convention. And I'm kind of steering away from that a little bit, um, other than an example here and there, mm -hmm. um, because we, we really wanted to talk more about the science fiction fantasy. Yeah um side of it um but you know you could have two three hotels there um so a really big convention might have four five six seven host hotels or something depending on how close they are together mm -hmm. and you might have programming scattered throughout any of the host hotels mm -hmm. so yeah you yeah know, you can go from really small little day trips to huge five six day conventions mm-hmm and I feel like more than ever with social media, conventions have become mainstream. Yeah. That it's not a kind of niche thing anymore. Yeah. That lots of casual fans um, will be going to these things as well as people just having, having more people be really big fans. It, it's yeah. more mainstream now to be a really big sci-fi or, or fantasy fan. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I, Me too. You, the, the gatekeeping that you see a lot oftentimes in, in the geek community is, is oftentimes it's directed towards women. Like, what do you mean mm -hmm. you're a Batman fan? Name, you know, the, the six first, yeah. <laughs> you know, appearances of the Joker, mm -hmm. you know, by issue and year. And it's like, what, what? Like, why would yeah. you hold anybody to this kind of standard? Do you, That's do you even know that? Like, yeah. Like, are you a, you're, you're not a real geek. You're here for attention. Cause mm -hmm. you know, cause we're really good at giving women attention in the geek, in the geek community. Like, oh, man. you know, um, yeah. So yeah, you, you kind of want to avoid that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you're almost always going to run into those kinds of people. There yeah. is one more thing that I think every good convention needs to have and this actually comes out to a safety issue is a good hr process for harassment mm -hmm. um so a, a solid harassment policy with a good hr process i guess is yeah. the way to say that um and if you are if you've gone to a convention if you're at a convention and you are getting harassed 
you need to say something. Please, mm -hmm. please, please say something. Because invariably, every year we hear about, you know, something happened at a so-and-so convention. Mm -hmm. Somebody spoke up and the person... Um, the, the person ended up getting a lifetime ban because five or six other people came out of you know came out and, and said oh yeah that happened to me too mm -hmm. and in a lot of these cases like everybody knows who these people are mm -hmm. like the women talk to each other especially yeah um, there's like an underground like, hey that just to have. warn you this guy yeah. like steer clear yeah yeah that's yeah. totally and a thing women do all the time not it, just in general <laughs> like that i do that it, and it, it first of all it floors me you know second i'm really grateful that they do it third i'm mm -hmm. heartbroken that it has to happen yeah yeah you know um like even the larp group that i'm in there's a, a discord for the women and that's one of the things they talk about mm -hmm. but um invariably what happens is the everybody knows who these people are but because nobody has ever come forward officially at the event they can't do anything or maybe mm -hmm. something happens after the event is done. Right, right. Well, you know, it's still outside of their rubric and mm -hmm. it would cons it, it would open them up to a really nasty lawsuit potentially. Yeah. yeah. So please, please, please say something mm -hmm. um, if you're at a convention and you're getting harassed. Yep. It, it's, it's hard to. Um, I... <laughs> Yeah. been there i get it i 100 percent get it um but there's if 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 it happened to you chances are it happened to someone else too yeah. and speaking up can help them to to yeah. step forward and say something um yeah. and depending on the convention um a lot of conventions are very good about taking action with those things yeah yeah. So it's not going to be um, one of, hopefully, and in most cases, if it's a reputable convention that tends to have a good culture, it's not going to be that situation where you say something and um, you get made fun of or, or invalidated yeah. or, or something like that. Yeah. And that's, unfortunately, that's one of the best ways of figuring out if, if a convention or any any group really um, has a really good culture mm -hmm. is how they react to that kind of thing. And, you know, obviously as the guy in the conversation, it's, it's really different for me, but I, I would just say to, like you had pointed out, if it's happening to you, it's happened to other people. Yeah. You know, even if you're not comfortable with, with saying it, with saying something in order to kind of protect yourself, you may be helping to protect some mm. other person who could be a minor in, in yeah. some cases, yeah. you know, some 16 year old girl who's there, you know, mm -hmm. um, with a friend and they're cosplaying and, you know, some guy my age is, is creeping on them or something. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's scary. It's awful. Now it's also rarer than we're making it out to sound. So Mm -hmm. You know, just just make it's, sure you. It's have not a like really it happens more culture. frequently than yeah. it does in the real world or anything. It's just, you know, it's one of those things that yeah, you know, women are are coming together. They're cosplaying as some of these guys' favorite characters. Some of yeah. those costumes um, might be very attractive, and for whatever reason, there's some men who think that what a woman wears is an invitation, and yeah. it's not. <laughs> Yeah, the saying there is actually cosplay is not consent. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I love that's that awesome. Song, but yeah, 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 and it it throws me. And I mean, but yet again, you know, it's it, it's not like it happened. Like you know, if you go, you're gonna be harassed or anything. It's just right. You know, try to bring a friend or two or three with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the well. I mean, I'm not gonna know the rules nearly as well as y'all will. Anybody else will, you know, especially the women listening to the to the program will. Um, well, not just women, but a lot of people who are abused often. Gosh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to say that. Okay, can we think of a different? <laughs> can we move on? Yeah, let's let's move on to something <laughs> just happier things. Um, I want to talk a little bit about neurodiversity because Mm. these fan spaces tend to be um, safe places for people who are not neurotypical. And I find that um, it it becomes somewhere where you can truly unmask. Masking is Mm. a huge issue with people who are neurodiverse and conventions can be the place where you go where you don't have to mask anymore even though you're wearing a mask possibly right (laughs) yes yeah yeah it's it's a really good point um some conventions actually will have like a sensor uh sensory room or something Mm -hmm. like you know uh just some place you can go and and kind of chill out and calm down Mm -hmm. um a lot of people are much more patient at conventions and then they might otherwise be um, mm-hmm. including myself i am not a very patient person a lot of the times so i get pretty frustrated um at a convention i'm i'm just i'm a lot calmer about that kind of thing mm-hmm. um mostly because you know in the real world it's because of anxiety and yeah. somebody comes up to me and like starts like harping on me about something in the in in day-to-day life i mm-hmm. freak out yeah um and but if I'm at a convention, it's just kind of like, OK, or I'm at a game comic game shop or something because I'm around other geeks. It's like, OK, mm-hmm. it's, you know, this person isn't trying to be a mean, awful person. Yeah. Um, you know, they're just they're like me. They're they're, mm-hmm. you know, neuro atypical and they're doing the best they can. You're with your people. Yeah. 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 And I think it's not entirely um just understanding that someone may not be neurotypical and that's why they're having a a more difficult time communicating Um, but also the fact that as a neurodivergent person as soon as you're in a in a environment that feels safe and where you don't have to mask anxiety levels and your ability to handle things just get so much better (laughs) well and and i mean think about how much happier we are i don't have to hide i don't have to you know and i've got friends who are like wait a minute you're you're bipolar and they're shocked Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay i get where you're coming from on that i'm really grateful but Mm -hmm. i am and it has been a struggle for the last 20 years since it really started yeah so um you know and mood disorder and Mm -hmm. whatever it is yeah but you know, so it's it's just a lot easier to deal with it. Plus, um, one of the things I would say for people who go to a convention, well, first of all, drink a lot of water, like mm-hmm. a gallon a day or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but if I'm in the host hotel, then I will go lay down. I'll, I'll like yeah. get away from everybody for an hour or something mm-hmm. just to, just to kind of calm down, unwind a little bit. Yeah. You know, definitely do things like that. Yeah. When you're filling up your schedule and you're planning what you want to do and where, what panels you want to make sure you go to and the different events that you want to get to, um, plan, I would recommend planning for a little less than you think you can do because yeah. it is exhausting. Even the virtual ones I've attended, the first time I ever went to a virtual con, I just like listed every single thing that sounded even remotely intriguing to me and tried to get to every single one. And by the third day, I didn't go to anything because I was just burnt out and exhausted. And that was just virtual, right? That's not even physically there walking around being around a lot of people that was in my own home from my computer or my phone. Yeah. It It's very exhausting. It's a lot of stimulation. It's a lot of information being front loaded at you. Yeah. So go conservative on your, your schedule yeah. plans, especially if it's your first, first yeah. time. Yeah. The first time you're not going to really know how much energy it's going to take. I think mm-hmm. you make a really, really good point there. Yeah. um, And you're just going to be exhausted a lot faster than you think. Mm -hmm. Usually most people are every, you get the other, you get the random person who's like, I did more than I expected. And I slept two hours. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's the fun thing about being among um, neurodiverse people is you get these very different responses. Um, And some people are very energized by this front loading of information. I know for my son um, watching you know, Minecraft video after Minecraft video and the streams and everything. And he just gets all of this information about like what mod was introduced in what um, update. Like he knows specifically Mm -hmm. each update, not just the big updates, the little updates and what things changed, which with each of those, what things were fixed, what things were added. And he can sit there and he can take in all this information and then just jump around like a little energizer bunny and regurgitate everything that he learned super excited and it energizes him. And like for me trying to consume that much information at once, I would, I would have to take a nap for like three days. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It can be exhausting. Oh, and if you're going to a convention for the first time, take an extra day off of work after the convention is done. Mm, like if mm-hmm. you've got a travel day, like, okay, I'm traveling home on Monday, take, try to take Tuesday off, maybe yeah. even half a Wednesday if you can. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, you make a really good point there. You're most likely, most of us are going to be exhausted. Yeah. Especially if you're neurodivergent, especially if you have any kind of like chronic illness anything like that where yeah where if you're a person who understands the spoon theory and and the idea of having enough spoons for something you will probably need a re- you i mean i'd say 99 percent positive you would need a, a recovery yeah. period after convention yeah and you know at a convention there's almost always something going on even if it's two o'clock in the morning there could be a room party or something going mm-hmm. on Brandon Sanderson could be in the gaming hall until 4.30 in the morning when you're trying to get him out so you can go to sleep. Not that <laughs> not that that's happened more than two or three times to me. <laughs> yeah, so that's actually another interesting thing. I mean, 
um bringing up brandon sanderson once again you have to do it yeah. once every episode right that's the is that's that the, the rule? rule okay yeah we've got to come up with a brandon rule <laughs> yeah um but you actually met him at jordan con right it was jordan con that you met him at Yes, that was though. Admittedly, that was the second time I met him. The first oh, okay. time I met him was there's a Wheel of Time community called Tarvalon.net, and mm-hmm. their 10th Annie um, was in Charleston, South Carolina, and um, Brandon came out for that. Oh, okay. And um, yeah. so, yeah, that was the first time I met him. And like, mm-hmm. I was at the same table with him and a couple of other people who have since become incredibly great friends. And we mm-hmm. talked about like gaming and stuff for like two hours until mm-hmm. his wife was like, that's it, come on. You're dancing with me. Let's go. And he's like, oh, I got to go. Like, dude, it's fine. Like, you're married. Like, I love that his she's wife more important was there. That's so great. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's she's a sweetheart, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. You know, that's another thing is there are going to be there are going to be like yeah, celebrities people, there. Yeah. You know, if it's if it's a convention that you really specifically we're looking for specific guests like you're going to get to this person and you're going to be freaking out Mm -hmm. they're still a human being though don't don't like (laughs) trap them (laughs) you know um and if you are ever invited to be a guest or guest of honor or something and a convention says do you want like an assistant or like a handler for the day say yes please just Mm. just say yes it's so much easier than than um have than worrying about whether or not you're going to be able to get to the bathroom mm-hmm. you know because if if you're i don't know somebody and you get you get cornered by a couple of fans this is going to happen less to like you know tv stars and movie stars and stuff like jared uh jared Pedalecki and jensen ackles are like old they're pros at conventions now mm-hmm. because of how many they've gone to but right. somebody who's newer um you know somebody who like maybe a patrick rothfuss who kind of at you know looks to the rest of the world as they came out of nowhere and maybe he's at his second convention mm-hmm. like he may not know how to or she may not know how to how to navigate that kind of thing so right. you know be a person and and kind of you know give them some space too yeah. they need it too <laughs> yeah it's exhausting for them yeah. probably even more so than the attendees yeah 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 in a lot of cases i think so mm-hmm. yeah but overall, like, I mean, positive experiences for you? Yeah, so much fun. Um, mm-hmm. So wonderful just to be able to hang out with people. I've I've made some really good friends from conventions and, and different mm-hmm. events and things. And um, I've solidified friendships. And, and, you know, yeah, it's it's been pretty amazing. So, yeah, I, if you have a chance to go to one, go to try to go to a small one. Like, if you're looking at, like, a Dragon Con or Jordan Con or a Con Carolinas or something that's yeah. going to have anywhere between 800 to, you know, 60, 70, 80,000 people go to a really small one. If you can mm-hmm. first, like a, a local quarterly comic con that only happens on Saturday or Sunday or something. Yeah. Um, You'd be surprised how many there are. You can yeah. just like Google like sci-fi conventions in my, in this County or, yeah. or a, a neighboring County that is maybe a little bigger if you're in a small town or something. Um, Or you can just look it up for your state and they have things going on all the time, all the time. That little one is going to make it so where you're not nearly as freaked out when you get Mm -hmm. to the big one. Yeah. Um, And some of them, some of the little ones are cheap or even free. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you can, I mean, sometimes you could get some of the, the craziest deals. Like if you're like, oh, I'm hunting for this specific comic or I'm looking around for a board game or miniatures or something, you can mm -hmm. end up with the craziest things and make great connections. Yeah. Um, you know, like absolutely. I said, just make some really good friends. There is a kind of a, uh, a, a rule, a guideline, a loose rule that Jordan Khan will tell people. And it's the three, two, one rule. Every day, get three hours of sleep, two meals, and uh, one shower, at mm, least, mm -hmm. at least each of those. So, yeah. Three hours outside of like sleeping at night, or three hours of sleep total. <laughs> that uh, people will get two or three hours of sleep total. Oh my gosh! At I conventions, at bigger imagine. conventions, I can't do it. I could not like, do that. I can do six and a half, seven hours, but by the end of it, I'm. I'm manic and it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to trigger a, a mental breakdown. <laughs> it it really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting back and having to sleep for a week. Yeah. Um, so for our final thing, we're just about out of time, but do you want to just list every con you've been to or try to list every con you've been to just for fun? Yeah. Um there was, I don't know the name of it. There was a convention I went to in LA in the nineties. I went with one of my, the staff sergeants in my platoon in the Marine Corps and ran into a couple of really good geek friends, SCA geek friends. Mm -hmm. um, so now I've got a email, I've got a message, one of them and find out if, if she can remember the called. name of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, since then I have been to San Diego comic con once. That was my second con. That wow. was crazy. Yeah. I was in a, I was having a really high pain day too. So it was just oof, done. I was oof. like, I'm so sorry. Um, Jordan con a few times. I've been mm -hmm. to con Carolinas a couple of times. I've been to a convention called Mace a couple of times. Mace was a gaming convention in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. um, I went to, I've been to a couple more, but I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember some of their names. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, for that, for final cherry on top, what would you say your best con experience was? Probably Jordan Con. Um, even mm -hmm. though Con Carolinas is in my backyard, I kind of consider Jordan Con to be my home convention because mm -hmm. um, that's the one that I've been to the most. I've been, yeah. I don't know, nine times, eight or nine times or something. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, volunteered or worked at most of them. Um, and but a lot of that is because of really good friendships. Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you'll you'll end up meeting, making friends and you're like, we're going to play this game every year and it's going to be the same five people every year. Mm -hmm. And we're going to rag on each other the entire time we play it or something like that. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our time for today. We've been your hosts, Ludlow Adams and Jay Garrity. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next week for a new topic about the world of fiction. This has been We're Lying, But That's Okay. Big thanks to our listeners for your support. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review. Thank you to our one-man production and tech support team, Max Garrity, for making this podcast possible.